Yeah, praise God. I was I was laughing to myself. You know, you all know I mess with Chuck about dancing for free around here. <laughs> Chuck, you haven't had that much fun. You put some more in the offering now. Come on, girl, give it up. And I was I was laughing because I thought to myself, I said, Lord, Chuck Show has a whole lot of fun when she <laughs> worships you. And he said, Well, if she is excited, what do you think I feel like? I said, Oh my goodness. So Chuck, I'll put something in the offering for you then in that case. So <laughs> praise God. Amen. He's the author of our joy. Amen. It is the joy of the Lord that we live in. Amen. Praise God. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne. We can find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need whenever we're in your presence. We love your presence, Lord. We always want to draw closer, and and yet we hold back. Help us to be able to just let go and receive everything you have for us every time we're in your presence, Lord. That would be such a nice thing. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Praise God. Praise God. So uh, yesterday we started, well, we talked some about prophetic actions that heal and thought we could continue. Amen. Because I want you to begin to see yourselves in the place of the people who are being used by God to do miracles. Amen. There's no reason why you shouldn't. And and I think we do when when we look at Mark sixteen seventeen and eighteen. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. You should see yourself doing everything that Scripture says. Amen. That you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You will cast out devils and bring relief to people. I think if every believer, every time they were in the midst of somebody who was dependent on drugs or struggling. Uh, with alcohol or something, if we could do that function and cast the devil out of them and leave them filled with the spirit of God and, and the knowledge of God, just just figure out how to minister with the Holy Ghost and let that be a goal in your life. Don't let don't let the devil talk you out of that. I, I see more people wanting to be used of God and they get talked down from the place that he wants to put them, you know. Like you see people relying on personal prophecy, and I'm thinking, where's your healing ministry? You know, you leave those people, they already know they're healed. Somebody's got to come and demonstrate that to them. It's like the man who was who was uh, by the pool 38 years. You know, faithful. <laughs> 38 years. Amen. Nobody came by. He said, I have no man. Jesus said, you got that right. Because if you had somebody to pick you up and carry, you still wouldn't get healed. You got me. Need somebody with the anointing to break that yoke and set you free and put you on a right path and a new road. And and that's us, folks. We are those people. And and I believe if we will commit ourselves to God and commit ourselves to study and prayer, commit ourselves to digging in the Word. God, how can I see myself in this? What is my place? And and what can I do? How can I do these things? And and just let God start to feed you, lead you, guide you. The devil will talk you down a hundred times. As many times as you go up and and attempt to receive, he's going to talk you down. But, you know, just don't quit, quit, you know, like quit, quit. You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) We kind of quit and then you quit again. 
So keep quitting, amen, and keep going back to it and keep pursuing God because it is there for you. I believe that with all of my heart. It's not for select people. It's for the whosoevers, amen, and the certain ones. Tell, tell the Lord I'm a whosoever and I'm a certain, amen, because those were the people that got what they needed from you and were used by you. So, okay, so yesterday we talked about um, the, um, you know, the, you know, just kind of picking apart um, situation where we could see how God put that together, who he used, how he used them, why he used them, uh, in order for people to receive on earth, God has to use somebody down here on earth to do that. You, Everything is relational. When you look at the Bible, it says, love the Lord your God. That's relation. Amen. Uh, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. So God is involved and man is involved in every transaction down here on earth. Now, we say God is sovereign and he is, but he will work through humanity. He left Jesus as the example of what he will do through a yielded vessel, through a man or a woman who would allow him to use them. And he is calling for greater works than his son did, more works, more challenging works, works that will challenge things even that the old patriarchs didn't do. They subdued kingdoms. They they stood up to kings. You know, you had some some discarded women. uh, um, um, what do you call them? midwives and they were exalted to high position because they defied authority that went against God's word you see so he will take anybody low estate it doesn't matter just got to be yielded just got to love him just got to want to be used by him and stay in the fight amen don't give up you know, sometimes people look at people, I, you know, I don't have a ministry like so-and-so's. You're not supposed to. You're not, you're, you're you. Why don't you find out what you have? Amen. And, and just go for it. Just let God use you. Amen. Everybody's unique in their way. And, and sometimes these ministries are so cookie cutter, God can't even get involved in them. See, everybody who wants to be like everybody else, where's God in it? Where are you going to let God design something? That will bring him glory. Amen. And so we have to be careful about things like that. But but I think if we take the time to examine how these things happen, who God uses, why he uses them, what did they do, how did they do it, um, all of that, I think we'll, we'll be the better for it. We'll be the better for having studied these things out to get understanding. So yesterday we talked about Mary, um, the mother of Jesus, at the wedding of Cana that was the first miracle Jesus performed his first miracle at that wedding amen the Bible clearly says that this beginning of miracles he had not performed a miracle prior to that time and so it it takes like a breakthrough situation I think to get somebody out of one level of spiritual walk and even a natural identification to come into the reality of who they are in God. 
Yeah. And and he, when he first his mother first approached him, he said, what do I he said, this isn't my business. My hour is not yet come. But she knew that it was. You got me. And so he didn't know, but she did. And that is so key to understanding miracle working power. Because nobody goes out of the house in the morning saying, I'm ready to do a miracle. You know, just get me somebody lined up here. No, you're just going about your normal routine and you're thinking your hour is not yet. You know, you just, no, I got to go to the grocery store. I got to go to work. I got to do this. I got to do that. You're not looking to be miracle material. But something happens to take you out of who you are and put you into who God says you are for that time and that moment and that season. And we have to learn how to cooperate with that when that breakthrough door comes, when that opens, we have to learn how to go through yielded and available and not pressured. Amen. Not pressured. And so I think it takes a relationship with God where you are alert to his leading at all times. You've got to know that you belong to him. When when Romans 1 says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy. You can't be involved in a lot of shenanigans, nonsense, mayhem, foolishness. Amen. You have to walk in peace. You have to be a person that seeks peace with all men. You can't be running around looking for somebody to get in, into it with. You can't have your mind crowded with who didn't do this for you and who didn't do that for you and who did, who hurt you and who this, who that. You know, you've got to be a peaceful person, set aside, holy, ready for God to use you. Amen. Don't just turn it on and turn it off. Like, you know, when you say if, if you're with with the ministry and you're going somewhere to, to minister to people, it's turned on then. It's turned on for everybody. That's why we can all get involved in it. Amen. But don't think that because God uses you in a group setting that you're cool. You still got work to do. You still got to work on yourself as far as staying in peace and having a peaceful mind. The Bible says he said, love you with all of his mind, all of your mind. That means your thoughts have to be pure thoughts, clean thoughts. Whatever's good and lovely, holy, pure, a good report, praiseworthy, thankworthy. And that will keep you in perfect peace. You can't have a, a messed up, tore up mind. Where you always plotting against somebody or somebody's plotting against you or, you know, all that childish stuff. You got to put away childish things because God is time. God, God is waiting for his bride to grow up. Amen. You know, come out the training broth to the full cup. Poppy, can you help me out back there? I mean, it's. I don't know. I don't know if this is anatomy class, anatomy 101. You read the Song of Solomon and you see what a full-grown woman looks like. Amen. So we got to stop that, you know. Involvement in ourselves all the time. You should be bored thinking about you. 
<laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> so that's what he's looking for, the living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. You know, that was a, a term given to uh, when people wanted to make a sacrifice, needed to make a sacrifice or offering a sin offering or whatever it was, and they were too poor for that animal to be slaughtered, never to see it again, they would leave it there as a beast of burden and the, the priest would use it to carry different things back and forth and then they'd give it back alive to the to the owner. That's us. We're living sad. We're too broke to get a right offering because he gave it already. Amen. So all we can do is offer up our lives as service to God. Amen. So you can't pay the price to get off the hook from from serving God with all of your heart. You're hooked. Amen. It's like everybody else. And so it's 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 good to understand who we are. Get a get a good picture of who you are before God. There's a couple of things I wanted to point out about our examples yesterday. Um, if you turn to John chapter 2 again, I'll show you. <clears throat> Look at the role that people play in these miracles. In verse 5, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. And then the servants took over. The servants were really the miracle workers. Come on now, y'all. Get with me. Amen. From there on, they carried the anointing. They carried the miracle. Had they not participated and did what they did that's why they're called servants because they serve and that's what god's looking for see that's why he doesn't use a lot of people everybody's thumbing their nose at servant and they think they got one scripture that says you you are no longer servants but sons you mean you don't have to serve god anymore his son did. We're servants. We're all over the Bible. We're referred to as servants. I don't know who you think you are. Elevating yourself. A son who's born in a household is no different than a servant until he gets old enough to receive his inheritance. But he still serves. Why do he go through all that servant training for if he's not going to serve anymore? It'd be a waste of time. So don't get all heady and high-minded, you know, (laughs) putting people down and, you know, elevating yourself. You don't need to do that. You need to stay humble so God can elevate you. Amen. It's, you know, it's, it's, you're not doing yourself any favors by trying not to be a servant. Good grief. David said he'd rather be a gatekeeper. Now, he said, I'd rather be somebody, no face, no uh, nobody, nothing, and as long as I'm in the house of the Lord. You need to stay in that place of grace so you can always receive from God. Amen. But I'm, I'm 
I'm thankful I'm a servant of God. Amen. I thank, I'm thankful I'm a servant. Amen. And I know I'm a daughter. I have an inheritance. But I receive it as I obey him and, and I'm commanded to serve. Amen. So here, the servants carry the miracle. Why? Because of their training. Because of their humility. Because they're automatically groomed and conditioned to be able to follow instruction. And this is what, this is what we must do in order to receive miracle working power. And bring miracles into the earth. We have to train ourselves to submit, to be obedient, to not move a muscle until we're instructed to do that. Amen. To do whatever the master says to do in order that we might be that living sacrifice that carries the glory from place to place. That carries the power from place to place. You can't get. You can't get it in your flesh. If you're thinking there's a way to get around being a servant and still carry the power of God, you're already, you've already eliminated yourself from consideration. That's why all these people we watch on TV with mega this and mega that, when's the last time you heard somebody had a miracle in that place? Because if they had them, you better believe they'd be broadcasting them. Many of them don't even know who's in the audience out there, what they need, or how they're getting their needs met. Now, they're good teaching places, but we got to go beyond just everybody coming, getting fed the word, and when's the equipping going to start, and when are we going to go out and do the works of God, hey? So, so this is, this is the issue. Um, it's the servanthood one, and I plan to, uh, for those of you who dislike that term and think you're better than that, I plan to rub your nose in it real good today so that you'll get an understanding that <laughs> this is God's way. You want you either want to be used, just the word being used means you got to serve. You don't call the shots. You're not elevated. Amen. And sons and daughters still have to obey the father. Amen. Got to obey somebody. Praise God. So the servants then carry the miracle. You can see that from verse 5 down to the end of it, really, verse 10, 9 or 10, the servants are totally in charge of the miracle. Got me? All right. So they do what servants do. They don't break character. A challenge for ministers and for people who are, are anointed. They like to break character instead of staying as servants. Because when the glory comes and the results are in and your hand touched in that miracle, you have the option of taking the glory onto yourself or releasing it back to God and just being a servant. Amen. Just be a servant. And it's very, very important that you learn how to stay in that place of serving so that you don't linger and touch into the glory and start trying to receive it for yourself. You got me? 
in Second uh, Kings 5, where we were yesterday, with Naaman, you see the same thing. This, this miracle is carried by servants. When he started out, there's a little Israeli girl, Jewish girl, who is a servant or a slave, really, in the house of Naaman, the Syrian. She's a slave to his wife, so she has to do whatever the um, uh, the landlady or, or lady of the house tells her to do. We know that from um, um, Hagar and Sarah. Remember when uh, Hagar was pregnant with Ishmael and she started pushing Sarah around, God told her, what did he tell her? She's under your authority. You do what you want to do. You got me? Amen. She threw her out. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. And so you have to understand servants have no say-so in what happens to them. When you are, God is using you to perform miracles, you have no say-so in what he tells you to do. That's the first order of business. You have to relinquish all authority. And if you have trouble identifying yourself as a servant of God, you're going to have problems with being used by him. You can sit and want the anointing all day long, but if you've got issues with different things, you're going to have problems being in that place where God will use you. In fact, he'll skip over you. You'll be working real hard and trying to show God you want to do this and want to, and he keeps skipping over you and you wonder why. There's something in your heart that doesn't line up with what he wants to see. He wants people that don't want to boss him around, that don't have a dislike in their mouth for the word servant. Amen? You, you've got to understand this. This is, this is just the way it is. You have to qualify and line up all the way down the line with God before he will trust you with his power. You see people, I've seen people for years, they, they, they'll, do good in one setting and and try to take take their ministry so and so and such and such and fizzle out. They don't even look like the same person. Why? Because they never learned how the anointing operates. Just want it because they want to touch people and see them fall. Or y'all know what I'm talking about. There's no servanthood there. There's no attitude of here am I, Lord, send me. I'll go, I'll do anything, whatever you tell me. We like the story about Amy Semple McPherson who went from cooking to (laughs) doing the music to this, you know, all in one conference. But her heart had to be in doing that. Because if it wasn't in it, she never would have volunteered. To, she'd been waiting on the pulpit. That's why many people, would, if that's what they want, they're waiting yet. Amen? They haven't gone to first base with God. Huh? You have to be willing to do whatever, go wherever, whatever, whatever. I remember I, I had met some people once. I met a lady once at a Bible study. Show you how God works. And I had been, because of having suffered with depression 
for several years, I had a challenge having peace in my mind, you know, just and I didn't know how to cast down imaginations. I didn't know how to, you know, meditate the word and and get yourself healed, you know, like that by the word. And and so she was telling me about some people she studied with out on a farm somewhere and they did deliverance and God said, go. And I was scared of her and more scared of her farm folks. You understand what I'm saying? But I tell you, once some people got finished praying for me, I didn't have no trouble with my mind after that no more. You understand what I'm saying? So you got to humble yourself to receive and then you got to humble yourself to give. It's, it's a humility. It's a servant, 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 servant deal. The high people, the lofty people don't have much to offer. Because you can't get close to them. They let you buy their tapes. They let you see them on television. They let you send them money. But you don't get close to them. Nobody gets close to those people. Well, hallelujah anyhow. And I think it's because of this issue. Because I see it too much over and over and over again. I see the enemy steal from people. Because they have either identity issues with serving, they don't like the word servant, or they're turned off by it for some reason. And they see themselves as loftier. You got me? And they can be doing good works and and really serving people, but their heart resents it. See, at some point, that resentment's going to pop up and steal from that person. I ask people sometimes, we've had people leave the ministry, they've been here 15, 20 years, and if God opens the door for me to talk to them, I ask them one thing, I said, I said, you used to enjoy doing this, when did the resentment start? What do you mean? I said, when did you start resenting serving God? I said, well, I really don't, I don't know. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's always the same thing. What used to bring you joy, now you despise. Because there's something that you think you're supposed to have that you don't have yet. And you blame God for it. Huh? And, and people who used to be kind turn into mean betrayers. And go off and backbite and backstab and and ruin their relationship with God because they won't let him settle that issue inside of them. See, your life has to be laid down. You can't keep picking it up and wanting more, picking it up and wanting this and picking it up and wanting it. Your life is your life. Some people are born slave, die slaves. (laughs) the issue is did they learn to love along the way did they find jesus along the way that's very important and none of as you can you can do as many miracles as as you can and jesus will say get away away from me i never knew you do it in his name depart from him well this is part of knowing him submitting yourself letting yourself 
Just be a humble servant. God, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. And mean it. And don't have any reserve resentment in there for being a servant. So here we have the Naaman's situation. His miracle starts out with the words of a servant. Verse 3, 5 verse 3 in Second Kings. And she said there was, it says in the Syrians, I'm sorry, verse 2, Syrians had gone out by companies and brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Now, this girl must have had some kind of open door, you know, um, that this woman listened to her, you see. So God opens the door for her voice to be heard. And she, the first thing she says, she doesn't say, uh, I want to have more stuff for me. I want more for, it's, you know, there's, there's no reason for your husband not to have his health back. And I know somebody who can get his health back for him. See, that's a true servant. They want what's best for the master. It'll cost you if you dislike your boss. You got me? It'll cost you. Because here, this girl is able to carry out the will of God, which is far more important than anything She's being cheated out of by her slavery, or she could get if she weren't a slave. Amen? She's being used by God. That's the highest. Because, see, her situation is written in the Bible. Where's yours and where's mine? You understand what I'm saying? And so he says, he would, she said he would recover him of his leprosy. She says in faith, this man will get healed of this leprosy. And see, servants know how to yield their tongues and their faith to the Spirit of God. You don't say, I wish he could get over there to see if the man of God can do it. There's no faith on that. So we can all recommend go here, there, and everywhere and see if you can get a miracle. But this girl says it with such faith and such conviction that it spreads like wildfire among not just the mistress, but the other servants. It says, and one went in and told his Lord, saying, thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. So every time that word is repeated, it's anointed. It's got faith on it, and it's got power on it. So it's our words that work in the realm of the Spirit to affect a healing, a cure, whatever it is that we need. It says, and the king of Syria said, go to go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And you know the the, the story there. King of Israel was upset because he, he don't know how to do no miracles. Amen. I don't know nothing about birthing no babies, Miss Scarlet. <laughs> <laughs> so he bows out of the deal. And then the story still spreads. More servants tell. 
And finally, word, word gets to Elisha, the prophet. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard servants carrying messages again. Amen. Verse 8, that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king saying, why are you doing this? Send him over here to me. Amen. Naaman came with his horses and his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent who? Another servant. Amen. A messenger unto him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall come unto you and you shall be clean. Naaman though was angry. He says, I thought he would come out. Do you know who I am? See, this is why God has to use people who are nobodies and just are going to do what they're told to do. See, it's a very big important lesson here, folks, if you grab onto it. Because the people who are important people wind up being dependent on the little nobodies. Oh. Why? Because those people know nothing but being obedient to the authority that's over them. And that's what God's looking for. He's looking for people who know how to be obedient to the authority that he places over us. Amen. We have great angelic power in our lives because of our obedience to authority. You don't have accidents. You don't have illness. You don't have Think of the things that you haven't had in like 15 or 20 years. That you've learned how to walk more perfectly with God. Amen. It's because of submission. It's because of servanthood. It's because it's ingrained in you. And that's your nature. That's what you love. That's what you enjoy. That's what carries you through life. And you understand that. So Naaman's angry. He's getting ready. He's storming off. Verse 11, it says he was angry and went away. I thought he'd come out and do this and do that, do the other. This attitude steals more healings from people. Because they have in their carnal imagination how it's supposed to go. And if it doesn't go that way, then they're angry and don't want to have anything to do with it. Amen. You know, I I thought I would see him. I I would fall down and I would get healed. I'd even get up to the altar. But the word of knowledge came to tell you that God was healing you. Amen. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so don't let your imagination, your fantasy about how things are supposed to go. Don't let that rob you of your blessing and of your healing. Always keep your heart open to however God wants to do it. Amen. He's and he he wants to compare it to other other rivers that he's been in and so forth and so on. He walks away angry, but another servant steps in again. So here we go with the nobody the faceless, nameless person that God begins to move in his heart. If God had not moved that servant to do this, this man would not have been healed. If that servant had not been open, you know, I mean, he's probably seen this man angry before. 
you work for somebody you you understand them and you know them and this young man he's probably passed up many opportunities to to tell Naaman can you calm down and act normal and if you didn't get all worked up we wouldn't be in this you about to get me hurt up in here but no what does he do he waits for the unction of God and he entreats him you have to know how to deal with people now demons you rebuke amen people you entreat you you have to understand how to speak peaceably to people but let the holy spirit form the words for you amen and he said verse 13 his servants came near and spoke to him and said my father in other words and treat them like fathers. The Bible says don't rebuke an elder, but retreat and treat them as you would your mother or your father. Amen? Respectfully. He said if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? In other words, he knows how to appeal to this man's reason. Amen? He says, you know, these are you're capable of, of wonderful great things. You're a powerful man. You, 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 you do that stuff easily. He says, this is a small thing. You think you can do this? Just go wash and be clean. Amen. All of these movements are by the unction of the Holy Spirit. You can't sit back and try to figure out how to convince somebody to obey God or how to do something. He says, then he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. Amen. He, his servant broke through all of that resistance, all of that attitude, all of that pride. Uh, and see, this leprosy is known as, as uh, uh, a, uh, a disease associated with rebellion in the heart. So they were able to soften his heart, amen, break through, break him out of that hard shell. That he lived behind all the time. He wanted to be well, but he didn't want people to know it. Then when he heard he could be well, that that desire was so strong in him, he feared he'd step out and try it a little bit. But if you want something from God, you can't try it a little bit. You got to go all the way. And so in going all the way, he sheds more of his pride, more of himself, more of his resistance. Every time you take a step of faith, you shed more of your flesh and you shed more of your your uh, resistance, more of your attitude, more of you. I'm supposed to have this. And, and who does the devil think he is? And, you know, that kind of stuff. You shed all that stuff when you start moving toward God in faith. Amen. And so people are able to come out of that and let their faith come out and grab on to what God has for them. But I want you to be impressed with servanthood and what that does and how vitally important it is for somebody to stay under the power of God and stay under the, the influence of the Holy Spirit and stay under to be submitted as a lifestyle, as a, a, an attitude, as a way of life. You know, you can't afford to raise up and, and, and flare up and, and carry on all the time. You've got to learn to be a peaceable person. 
Amen. You want to walk in the power of God. And you have to be in it for the glory of God. And it's easy to slip over into self-glory. When people want to encourage you and, 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 and strengthen you and tell you how much they appreciate what you do and what they learned and, and all that kind of stuff, you got to thank them, but stay humble to God in your own mind. Amen. You know, the, I remember days when people would rebuke you if you tried to encourage them and it's not good either. That's rude. You know, you could graciously say thank you when people try to compliment you and encourage you and share. You're going to need that because the minute you go outside, the devil going to tell you, you ain't done nothing. Sit up there and run your mouth on them. People ain't got nothing on that message. So you need to grab what they tell you encouraging and store it in your heart so you don't get bamboozled by the devil when you get out of here. You forget we got a real enemy out there to fight. And many times God will have people around you to encourage you, leave that deposit with you, amen, to keep you coming. <laughs> I used to tell, I tell you, I don't know, I'll tell this testimony too often, but I can remember when we first started the ministry, I, I would get, I would look and I said, Lord, how are we going to do all of this? And, and that was in the days when everybody came late. I was the first one there. Then they come in with their whining excuses, and I said, Lord, please. And I would think about it. I said, I'm just not going to do this no more. And I'd think about it, and I'd look, and I'd see two little faces looking at me. That was Pastor Shirley and Miss Nola. I said, oh, Lord, I can't quit on them. <laughs> I get up and come back in again. You understand what I'm saying? God will use what he, he got to use something. He's got to touch you. Or we would quit in a heartbeat. Are you kidding me? So I learned to tough it out and we, we got over the, we, together we got over the rough places. Amen. And we were able to be used by God. But God will use what he needs to use to keep you encouraged that nope, you can't quit. I called you to do this. You got to stay in here and, and cultivating that servant's heart. See? You you have to learn that you're here to serve. I had to get to the point where I said, they don't come on time for me. They come on time. I'm not going to get slighted because the meeting's late. I'm just going to work with a late meeting until we can all grow up and understand. We're going to make some sacrifices to do this. Amen. We're here to serve God. And, and it won't catch on to anybody else until the leader grabs it. You see? And so that's that's just the way it is, folks. And so these having a servant's heart, attitude, and position yourself to serve as a servant and make sure your heart's in it. Don't be an eye servant or don't be one who will do it until you get tired of doing it and then you want to snap at everybody. Amen. You, you've got to make sure your heart's in it. And trust me, God will get you to the place where your heart is in it, your mind is in it, your soul is in it, your money is in it, everything you own is in it. Amen. Because he wants people who are going to be in there 24 seven. He's not going to anoint you very highly if you think you, you can't work for a zero offering. You, you understand what I'm saying? And I mean, when you really need the money. You might have to go for zero offering. See, it's 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 a sacrifice life. It's a life you don't call the shots. He calls all the shots. You can't even ask him to open doors for you sometimes. You know, like I'll say to God, I said, I said, God, I should I should be asking for open doors. <laughs> and I don't get no response. It's like, 
you better go in and do what I tell you to do. So you take care of what's before you. You understand what I'm saying? I'll do the opening. <laughs> God would have people call me out of nowhere sometimes and ask me, and I never pray. I don't say, oh, God, give me open door. Confess an open door, and I, I just don't do it. It never occurs. Maybe I should. I don't know. I say that sometimes, but I know what it, what he wants me to do. Amen? Because it's hard to be faithful. See, so many people get distracted. See, that open closing that open door and me not praying for it might be what's keeping me here. You go through the wrong open door and you get led off on a tangent and you forget where you came from and where you're supposed to be. So I know what he's looking for is faithful because that's what I appreciate in him is his faithfulness. Amen. So it's it, amen. It's a good thing. Faithful is, is, is worth it's worth money in the bank and then some. And so here we have Naaman is recovered of his leprosy. Amen. He had been uh, isolated and rejected by society because of his leprosy being highly contagious. And so Naaman would have to be challenged to do something to reverse the course of the disease. And that challenge was to submit to God. Do what the man of God commands you to do. Because he didn't know anything about you know, the Hebrew religion and, and what their customs were, anything like that. And he comes into a whole new realm of understanding life. And so a miracle is that it is totally life changing for that person. So much so that Naaman begins to understand the God of Elisha is the God of gods. Amen. It, it's it's. It's something that dawns on him when he begins to understand what has happened to him and what has transpired. So in a miracle, God not only wants to correct what's wrong in that person's life, you know, physically, bring them healing, bring them all of that. But there's a change in that individual that God is after, too. You know, I mean, he's not just passing out miracles and people walk away and have no opportunity to learn who he is. And so when he he goes down, he dips. Verse 14, he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, according to the saying of the man of God. You've got to listen to whoever God sends to speak into your life. Amen. You can't just be rethinking and arguing and maybe this will work and maybe you got to understand when the unction of God is on a word, how to respond to that. Amen. And so he's he's responding to the word of the man of God. So he submits himself. His flesh came like that of a child and he was clean and he returned to the man of God. He and all his company and they stood before him and said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. This is this is God getting the glory. Amen. And he says, Behold, um, he said, but in Israel, now therefore I ask you, take a blessing from me. So he's begging to let him bless him. Instead of thinking that his money is important. 
A lot of people hide their money from preachers. Yeah, they don't do nothing bad. Here they come again. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Sometimes it's true, but not all the time. If you give his unto the Lord, he this guy knows the difference. And he said, as the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I will not receive it. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. So Elisha refuses the offering. And Naaman said, Shall there not then, I pray thee, be given to your servant, etc., etc., etc.? He says, For your servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice to other gods, but unto the Lord. So here, this miracle causes this man to be converted, and he wants to serve the God. If you look at the Old Testament, they had many people who followed the nation of Israel around as converts because they. The God of Israel was open to everybody, always. Amen? You see that in the story of Ruth and Naomi. You see it in, in so many different stories. That Many of the, the people of Is, Egypt came over with the Israelis when the Red Sea parted. Amen? They stayed in the houses with them the night before and so forth and so on. So God is always wanting people to know who he is. Amen? And so... He he begins to barter with him and so forth, but he says, I'm not going to sacrifice to any other God. And then he asks that the the um, prophet will remember to pray for him. He says, sometimes I have to go in with my master when he goes into worship and he leans on me. So ask God to forgive me if I have to. Get, this man does not want to be tainted. He don't want to lose his healing. He don't want to lose God. He don't want to lose it. He got the message. This was for me to drop the God that I've been serving and transfer my service and worship onto the one true and living God. And that's what he determines to do. And he asked the prophet, he said, if you could, if I could be pardoned, if I have to get involved with this. Amen. Just like us. You know, you, you, you're the only one saved in the household. And, you know, you get exposed to their language and their lifestyle and all that kind of stuff. You know, God, please forgive me if I have to sit and listen to that. You understand what I'm saying? I get caught up in it. Help me to be able to isolate myself in the realm of the spirit from these unclean things. God will show you how to stay saved. Amen. And so naming it, that's the only thing he knows is that he, he could get in trouble. So he makes sure. He's going to keep his healing. Amen. So I'm going to go and worship and I might have to help my boss out, but please ask God to forgive me. Amen. 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 And so it says in here, Gehazi, you know the story, Gehazi. He decided he wanted, (laughs) wanted what Naaman had, what Naaman had offered that the man of God refused. Amen. So here, his lack of servanthood is exposed. See, servants are tempted all the time and pulled away. By If the enemy can find anything that you like that can compete with your love for God and your desire to serve, he'll yank on that and try to pull you away. Um, and many times with us, it's time. We just don't want to. We think God is moving too slow. We think it's not happening fast enough. And so the enemy pressures us with the time thing. And forces us off course with that. 
But see, Gehazi, everybody who's serving God, everybody in the kingdom is being tested every day. You got me? Every day you wake up. Am I going to continue with God and spend more time with him, get in the word more, be more sincere about my study of the word? Or am I going to business as usual, just do the minimum, amen, and receive the minimum from God? And so Gehazi now is under scrutiny to see if he's really a servant or if he's not. Amen. And so as a servant, he would have come under Elisha's authority in this. And if Elisha said no, then it's no. Amen. Now, how many people think they know more than their parents, more than the pastor, more than the boss? Amen. Because we get in those mindsets where we think we know more. And see, if we don't repent of those things, eventually they'll flare up at a time that's really tempting. Amen. And you wind up doing something to put the whole thing in jeopardy. You know, you're, you're, the Lord tells you to, to get a Christmas, an inexpensive Christmas gift for your boss. Just as a, a way to, to demonstrate that you're a Christian. I mean, it's Christ's birthday. We're supposed to be givers, right? And then you just, nah, no, nah, I don't get them nothing. Oh, no, they got more money than me. I don't get them nothing. No. Resentment. And then it just builds and builds and builds, and pretty soon you don't want to go into work. You barely speak to the boss. Huh? Keep an attitude all the time. Amen. Your work starts to fall off. Always looking, always floating your resume. Huh? Amen, little box. Huh? <laughs> See what happened to Gehazi. He's so smart. See, the prophet, when he saw Elisha, I mean, when he saw Naaman, why do you think he didn't go out there and touch him? Anybody? Yeah, he's contagious. The prophet knows it. He sends the the servant Gehazi out just to give him a message. You don't touch him either. You got me? But Gehazi ain't that smart. See, he doesn't know. See, when you're under somebody, you think you know everything they know. Because the devil tells people that. (laughs) Huh? And people somehow don't know how to stay under authority. When the overseer says no, then it's no. Now, you may have a better idea, and it might work, but it ain't, it's not um, an open door for your idea right now. <laughs> right now, it's an open door for what, what the leader says will work. You understand what I'm saying? See, there's a wisdom and a protection just in keeping your mouth shut and being obedient. Don't always have something to offer somebody or something to put into the conversation. You know, that kind of stuff. Keep yourself unspotted. Let yourself stay pure. Amen? So Gehazi figures, hey, 
this stuff looks good. This stuff looks too good to let it run on out away from here. I'm going to go chase it down. Amen. That's not consistent with God's word. The Bible says blessings will do what? Run after you and chase you. God knows how to find you with what's yours. Amen. And so we see Gehazi gets the leprosy. Amen. Because leprosy is highly contagious at certain stages. Now, there are some stages where it's not as contagious. But the priest and the prophet were aware of how to examine people. Gehazi hadn't got to that class yet. <laughs> you know how we say, uh, somebody said, well, add these two numbers up for you. Oh, we ain't got to that class yet. Amen. So that's, that's Gehazi. He ain't got to that class yet. But he thinks he knows, amen, thinks he can get away with things. Another thing he doesn't know is that the prophet can sense what he's doing by the Spirit of God. Because he told him that. He said, said, did my spirit go with you when you, oh, you ain't got to that class either yet, right? So there's much for us to learn, folks. I just say that to say stay in, stay humble. Stay a servant, stay in the place of learning until that learning is complete and then stay some more because you're never done learning in the things of God. Amen. All right. So now we're trying trying to uh, we're going to turn to John chapter nine. The Bible says whoever is humble will be exalted. The reason we read about these people in the Bible in a good way is because of their humility and because they were obedient to be what God put them there to be, and that is to serve and obey him. So uh, here in John chapter 9, verse 1, we see the man born blind. It says, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, questions like this um, are irrelevant. So your flesh will always get involved in irrelevant things. Amen. Um, They're not doctors. You know, doctors will take a family history. So if they're not doctors, why are they trying to go back in his family history? Huh? Really, all they need to do, and this is the thing that we need to be aware of, in order to help people, there are sometimes some very discreet questions the Holy Spirit will have you ask people, but pretty much your information comes from God. You need to wait on God to start speaking to you a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge for something that's relevant to that person's deliverance or that person's healing. So Jesus already has the word of knowledge. Amen. So they're asking him what they think is important to know about this man, which is irrelevant, instead of waiting on the Holy Spirit to inform them what's going to happen. And so Jesus said, neither has this man sinned, nor his parents. Now, people who 
are sticklers for the way. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Amen. And that is true. But what Jesus is saying here is whether they've sinned or not, God is still going to get glory out of this situation. It's not for them. It's for him. We have to understand that in the when God shows up with his power, it, the show belongs to him. It's irrelevant what somebody did in the past, what they did yesterday, what they're going to do next week. None of that means anything. The only thing that means anything is let's be obedient to God so he can be glorified in this. Because he's glorified when people are delivered from sin. He's glorified when they're delivered from sickness. He's glorified when blind eyes open. Amen. So if he's glorified in a situation, why are we picking at it trying to find out why the guy got like this? And what good is that going to do you? Amen. To help him. So everything that's irrelevant, God will remove out of the situation because it's nothing but a distraction. You know, asking people, you know, are you saved? Are you this? Are you that? Are you that? What do you care? Let God run the show. Let him be in charge. Let him. You understand what I'm saying? Keep your words few. Wait until you hear something before you speak. If nothing comes, go ahead and pray the word. You got me? But in miracle working situations, God wants people who will totally abandon themselves to his will. Will just let go of whatever it is that you think ought to be happening here or what you think is important. Or do you think that person uh, should get a miracle? You know, we've had people that that uh, came to our our meeting um, and refused to pray with anybody. Oh, crazy religious people, you know. Well, I don't know if these people in sin are. Uh, so well, what do you do when you get in sin? What you mean? That's just what I said, devil. <laughs> uh? <laughs> See, them people don't even need to show up at a prayer meeting. They need to go back and get saved again. You got me? I'm like, I don't need your prayer in here. Mm-hmm. That's how God weeds people out, you know. You think you want a bunch of people sitting up there. You better <laughs> better check with God to see if that's on your plate, in your radar. Amen. So here this young man, Jesus tells them, he says, neither. Amen. And I'm sure that got them riled up. He said, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. In other words, sin is not an issue to God. The only thing that's an issue to him is that he be glorified. Amen. He'll get the glory. He knows how to get the glory, whether you're in sin or out of sin. Whether you walk perfectly before him or you kind of sloppy in your walk, he knows how to get the glory out of your life and out of your situations. And he says, he says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work. So what Jesus is saying here, he says, I don't have time to dibble and dabble like the Pharisees do. I don't have time to talk about your life habits, your life history, who your mother was. You were born out of wedlock. 
whatever the rumor is, what I don't have time to die. He said, I only got time to bring glory. I only got time to get people healed. I only got time to get people delivered and to make sure they know that God is alive and he wants to help them and heal them. Amen. That's all he has time for. And I think that's a good rule of thumb for us. We don't have time to figure out if somebody's living right or not living right. Or, you know, God will stop you from praying a prayer that shouldn't be prayed. You understand me? But most people are in trouble because nobody's there to release the word over their lives. Nobody's there to encourage them in God. Nobody's there to demonstrate the kingdom to them so they can know there's something out there besides their sin that they do all the time. How do you get people out of sin? You have to expose them to righteousness. You've got to expose them to the light. You've got to let them know God loves them and that there's hope for them. When somebody loves you, there's hope for you. You understand me? You know, you don't abandon people that love you. And you don't turn your back on love, you know, and act like you don't need nobody. And all this ain't important. And that's not. When people love you, that puts hope in your heart. Amen. You go to bed and say, well, Lord, I had a friendly conversation with somebody today. Somebody reached out to me and and shared something with me. Amen. It'll keep you going another day, folks. (laughs) <laughs> you get to the point where the devil strips everything from you you be glad for amen so he says i must work the works of him that sent me while it is day the night is coming when no man can work and as long as i'm in the world i'm not bringing condemnation on anybody and this is what they were selling see People see you in trouble. They want to tell you why you got there and how you got there or think what wonder what wonder what wonder why so-and-so can't get wonder why so-and-so is sick. Hmm? Now, if you're not that person, praise God for your transition out of that mindset. But we all are like this to some degree. We all started like this. We all started wondering and, and wondering why. What happened to them that that they're like this? Amen. What kind of sin did somebody commit that put them in this position? Amen. And Jesus said, none of that's relevant. What's relevant is that I work a work that's going to bring glory to the Father. That's all that's relevant. And that's all that's relevant in our lives is that we work a work that brings glory to God the Father. And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay from the spit. Now see, this is Jesus as the servant. Amen. This is him as a servant. When we in the at the wedding at Cana, when he told his mother his time was not yet, but he buttoned his lip after that and began to do what the Holy Spirit told him to do. See? He he transitioned from somebody who wasn't going to get involved to somebody who was totally submitted to the Father. It says and when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. This is him in servanthood. He's doing what he feels led to do by the Holy Spirit and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. And he went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. 
So here we have servant attitude on Jesus that resists the judgmental attitude of his disciples. He refuses to get involved in that whose fault is it. You understand what I'm saying? Because the Holy Spirit was telling him that's not important. Stay away from that. Amen. Don't get involved in that conversation. Amen. That might be for another time later, but you got to work the works of me while it's day. You don't have time for nonsense conversation. And see, when you start serving God and you begin to do the things of God, you can't get involved in a lot of, especially nonsense conversation where people just want to call and talk and, you know, get you to agree with this and agree with that. And, and don't you think so? No, I don't. You know what I'm saying? You just can't get them. You can't get involved. Why would you put your agreement and cosign something from the darkness? Learn how to stay in the light. Amen. Just learn how to stay in the light. And so here Jesus was. God is anointing him to do this miracle. And the devil tries to distract him by getting him off on a tangent about who's responsible for this boy's. Huh? Mainly them religious devils that taught the fair, taught uh, his disciples how to think like that. Because that comes from somewhere. That comes from religion. Religion thinks everything that's not important to God is very important to God. What you do wrong, who, who you talk to, where you go to church, what you, you know, how many times you read the Bible, you know, that kind of stuff. The do's and the don'ts. And Jesus said, this is not about do's and don'ts. This is about mercy. This is about love. And this is about glorifying the Father. It's not time for that do's and don'ts stuff. Amen? And so he he bypasses the the detour that the enemy wants him to take. See, whenever God is sending you to do something, there's always something else that wants to pop up to try to tell you, take care of me first. Or what you're doing can be put off. Or what you, in, back in the Old Testament, you would see prophets that would tell their servants, go and give this message to so-and-so. Don't stop to talk to anybody. Don't say hi to anybody. Don't wave at anybody. Just go straight and do what I tell you to do. And there was a prophet once that, that detoured and got devoured by a lion. You understand what I'm saying? So there's something about the unction of God that will only hold under certain conditions. With, with, if you say, for instance, if I have God gives me a word to speak of prophecy and I want to stop and converse with this person and that person and that person, then the unction will dissipate. Do you understand what I'm saying? God will stop pressing you to speak for him. And then pretty soon you won't have a whole lot to say. Because you don't know how to go straight with the message that God has without detouring and releasing your voice onto another purpose. See, when he impacts your spirit with a word, that word is held there to be released by the unction. If he says go and don't talk, you just don't talk to anybody. Amen. Many times God will start speaking to me and I'll write it down because I'm not sure who it's for, when it's to be released, etc. But I have to get it out of me. 
because I've got enough sense in God to know there's more to it. So you release it first. I don't go and and watch, you know, three hours of of whatever, HGTV or whatever, or, or bad people. And they say, oh, yeah, God told me to do he was He was speaking to me. So I, I learned better than that a long time ago. So you don't put his voice on hold. Nor do you go anywhere and dissipate the power of your voice getting involved in another conversation with somebody else. See, God would use a whole lot more people to do a whole lot more things if they respected their own voice, their own mouth, their own words more than we do. Because he wants to use all of us. When Moses was the only prophet, he said, God, I wish everybody could prophesy. You know, I wish everybody could hear from you and speak. Amen. Why? Because they, they words was raggedy. You know, Moses go up on the mountain and listen to God and get the commandments and get God's word and all that glory and come back. And people was down there uh, playing around and, and, and worshiping idols and singing and dancing and all kinds of God and Moses said, man, if they could all speak God's word, we'd be in a whole lot better shape. See, you should never get jealous and want to hold back from people the gifts of God and just want you to be the only one that people come to for this and come. That's just such nonsense. When the Bible already says sons and daughters will prophesy. So it's for everybody. God wants to put that gift on everybody. Amen. And the world would be a whole lot better if more of us would be used by God that way. And so the the man went and washed. So this is servant, servant, the spirit of the servant comes to Jesus. The disciples who are serving him under him reach up to push him away from that servant's spirit. Got me? Now they think they're being students but they're not they're just being carnal because this is no time to be questioning the master about somebody before they get healed it's just like if i was up at the altar get ready to pray for somebody and and uh you know miss nola came up and said well well what is what is wrong with her why she said that's so out of order you know and she wouldn't do it because there's no unction for her to even release that into the atmosphere but see, the disciples were accustomed to trying to impress Jesus, trying to get the master's attention. We want to ask an intelligent question so he can notice us. That's what that's about. And Jesus knows it, and he stops it before it even gets going because he's got an unction in him. He's got a vision in him that sees this man seeing, and he wants to get to that. He said, I don't have time for that. He said, I got I to gotta be busy working the works of God while I can. Amen. And so he begins this this servant spirit in Christ comes into that atmosphere. And you notice the disciples did not press him anymore. You got me? They started to move out of the way because they began to learn and to sense when the master has spoken there's something good that's going to happen here, and we need to shut up and leave him alone. Amen. They at least had that much sense. And so Jesus bends down. He puts clay on that man's eyes. And that man then 
has to obey Jesus and go and walk. Some people say it's two miles. Some people say a mile. But that pool was not very close to where they were. So this man had to obey that and then come back and then he can see. And so this attitude of the servant must ride along on the whole miracle the whole time. It has to pull everybody under its dominion. So this attitude to serve is what drives miracles. It's not your your compassion, you want to see them better, and yada, 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 all that's good. But you've got to learn how to get you out of the way and put a damper on you and let God then use you, servanthood, that dirty word that a lot of people don't like, servanthood, drives the miracle. That spirit and that attitude of wanting to do nothing but be used and wanting to do nothing but serve drives the miracle. And if you're smart in God, you'll begin to understand when that comes on you. You'll be able to understand how to not make it lift and leave because that's happened to me. You know, as you, God's forgiving God, he wants to teach you, but you have to learn how to stay with that spirit and let that spirit control you so that you don't snap out of its power. And you got to know when to lift, let that lift so that God gets glory and you don't stand there and bask in it. You got to learn when to exit the stage. You got me? And let God settle how he wants to settle it. Amen. And many times people, you know, if if God uses you for miracles, by the time you're done with a meeting, you're ready to go somewhere and sit down. Amen. And it's good to leave the premises. Not in a, you know, it's sister so-and-so is out of you. Now, don't do that. Don't get yourself announced. You just go quietly, exit stage left, as they say, or stage right. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the glory of God is is still present there. And if words are being spoken to you of appreciation or you are thinking we had a good meeting or some that that's falling on you again. That's the best way I can describe it. You've got to know when to release that back to God. And even when you get by yourself, you say, God, I thank you for that. And I give you back your glory. Lift it off of you. Please lift it off of me now. The part of it that belongs to you, you know, receive that. And I thank you for using me. And please use me again. Do you understand that? That needs to be the prayer of your heart or, you know, whatever you. But it has to get settled so that you're not carrying off something that doesn't belong to you. Because you want the anointing to work every time you, you're in the presence of God. Amen. And sometimes you will have to, to let the unction settle in on you a little bit before you yield to it. There are times where you will sense that God wants you to say something, do something, pray for somebody, but it's not quite settled yet. So you can't be too anxious to jump in there, you know, and jump in ahead of time. And and that kind of thing. So it's a fine tuning, folks. But I'm telling you, what's going to drive it is when your heart is to do nothing but serve. And if that word servant 
puts resentment in you or you don't like it, you need to get before God and, and pray and say, well, God, I've been told we're not servants anymore. We're friends. You're not my friend if you don't serve me. You don't love me if you don't obey me. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's just foolishness right there. And if that's your thinking and, and that's where you get that out of your heart. You don't need that. You don't need to be Jesus's pal. He's got enough people that he's in charge of. You understand what I'm saying? Don't try to elevate yourself. And don't disdain what God has ordained for you because he wants glory. You don't need it. Amen. He wants the glory. All right. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding of your holy word. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing that comes with your word. Whether it's spoken, whether it's preached, whether we read it, however it comes to us, Father. We thank you. There's always a blessing in hearing your word. And we thank you that you've put us in a place to hear you today. And we want to be those people who are carriers of your glory and releasing it back to you. We don't wear it permanently. We're we're servants who carry it from place to place. We are beasts of burden who carry it from from place to place. We are are, um, of the broken and the spilled out who need you so much that we will carry your glory. Let it do its work and release it back to you. And, And that is our prayer today. So, Father, we thank you for blessing us, keeping us, igniting us in your truth. And causing us to glory in nothing but the cross of Christ. Where we can pick that up every day and follow you wherever you lead us. You are our master. And we're to follow you wherever you lead us. And we thank you for the privilege of following you. In Jesus' name, amen. And praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Anybody needs prayer, you can come up for prayer. Uh, If not, we're going to whatever, whatever. Come on up for prayer if you need prayer. And then I can this chair that was a little bit blue
and she don't have me. I can't get Rona, and she can't get me. I thank you, Lord, that by your stripes we are healed. Amen, amen, and amen again. It is so decreed. Amen.